You're listening to a lifestyle podcast with Lavoni and Sarah. Our goals to inspire good health and well-being, empowerment, beauty and joy, offering support and friendship as we share our journeys in the hopes it helps you. Hello, my friends, and thanks for tuning in to what was once the Waiting Room Podcast. I'm Lavoni, and together with my co-host, Sarah, we want to let you know our podcast has changed its name from the Waiting Room Podcast to simply Lavoni and Sarah. Now, along with the name change, we're doing some rebranding and developing a website, all very exciting, and we'd love you to come along on this adventure with us. The Waiting Room Podcast is a no-nonsense approach to losing weight and feeling better, peppered with helpful lifestyle tips and cooking inspiration. Join me, Sarah Holton, and me, Lavoni Walker, as we talk frankly about the overall health implications of being overweight, what we're doing to get healthy, and our journeys to hopefully inspire others to do the same, using a simplistic approach to eating thoughtfully and living abundantly. Welcome to episode four of the Waiting Room Podcast. Today we're talking about the emotional side of being overweight. Just imagine that you never have to think about being overweight again, that it's intuitively to know that food was your friend, your body felt strong and healthy, and you felt good in your body. But why do we gain weight in the first place? How do we recognize the emotional baggage we're carrying around with us? And then how do we deal with the emotional blockers that keep us hanging on to the weight? But before we get into it, I thought we'd just have a little uh, catch up and share where uh, Sarah and I are in the world. Sarah, you want to tell us, I'm very jealous where Sarah lives. It's where mm-hmm. I want to live. Sure. So I am, um, I'm in Malmesbury, Wiltshire, which is in on the edge of the Cotswolds, Um we have just come out of a three-week solid rain period, so very grateful that we are now experiencing very cold, so minus two in the mornings, obviously much colder overnight, um, but very bright, sunny period. So I'm coming to you from sunny Malmesbury today. And I'm coming to you from the not-so-sunny uh, Indiana. I live on the outskirts of a very small uh, town, in America's Midwest, about an hour north of Indianapolis, which is the capital of uh, Indiana. So there's nothing much around me. And uh, we get some pretty harsh winters here, but I don't know. At the moment, it's just raining. So I don't mind that, I guess. Take that over snow. It's a bit easier to drive if you're going anywhere. But um, we should also, I guess, chat about last week's goals, Sarah. Do you remember what yours were? Yeah, my, uh, the original goal for me was to sort of move more and do some more exercise without it being a strict exercise format. Um, I'm still doing really well with that. I'm really focusing on um, my physio at the moment, so that's great. And last week's goal was to eat more mindfully. Um, I've had a, a mixed week. I'm going to be completely honest about this. I'm not going to wallpaper over the cracks. <laughs> um, the beginning or sort of last week, I went to a close friend's family funeral and uh, her grandmother and when I was there I was surrounded by cake and scones and finger sandwiches fully intended to come home and have an evening meal and not have any and I had just a few and then it just went down the slippery slope so what started as one afternoon soon turned into about three days of making really poor choices I'm eating loads let's just not try and pretend I didn't I ate so much um but from Saturday onwards I then got control of that again so I did eat more mindfully I have made my choices I've made my plan for the day um so I've got no weight loss to report for this week but no gain either which is good because it has to have gone up to have come back down again there's no way I could have eaten like that at the beginning of the week um so mixed really a mixed week for me but um it I definitely managed to get hold of it sort of part the way through the week and didn't write myself off completely it was definitely a few days of um of overloading sugar and carbs and all the stuff that's just not going to help me but I'm back on a back on a more mindful eating track now what about you I uh mine was to have smaller portion sizes which I didn't necessarily do although I did lose 1.3 kilos which is 
you know, a bit over two pounds. But I think that was because yeah. of exercising that that happened. But it wasn't so much that my portions were were big, but um, I'm testing a Mexican cookbook at the moment. And so I have to try what, the you know, the recipes that I'm testing. And, yeah. um, and then, I you know, I fill out a form and write comments about the taste and da-da-da, right, whether the recipe worked or not. And as I sit and do that, I try the food. Now, really, I just need one bite to, yeah. to do it. But greedy me just sits there and shovels, especially if it's, you know, yummy, because um, not all of them are, the recipes. But, um, you know, just mindlessly, like you were saying, mindless, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, eating this, then I still have my meals as well. So that's probably where... That must be really hard. So if you've got your, you know, uh, calorie sort of allocation for the day, whatever you decide that might be, and I'm not sticking to this within the last calorie, but I'm using it as a guide so I know what I'm eating um, and the hidden calories and things. But that must be really difficult if you've decided for the day roughly what you're going to eat and then you've almost got all this extra meals on top to then... Yeah, it, well, it is because if I, I'm either testing recipes or developing recipes and that involves you know of course trying things but i have to say you know like one taste really maybe yeah. two at the most you know of just i mean you, you know you know i don't have to have like great big spoonfuls but so that's so something gonna, that i really so what are you going to do then what are you going to do to make that not happen i'm just going to not do it there you go <laughs> That's slightly easier than said than done. <laughs> and I have 21 of them to, to get done in the next few days. So um, stay tuned for that one. But, okay, you know, I'm making that. tortillas <laughs> and like from scratch, like corn ones, flour ones, etc. So I really just need to tear off a little section. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, and I can tell, you can tell whether something's turned out. You know, if it's a sauce, yeah. that's different. But for bread, you can tell. You don't necessarily have to taste it. So... I just have to have a little self-control. Yeah. Yes. And then not think why, you know, God, which is, you know, this is this is good leading into this, the whole why am I doing this thing, just yeah. mindless, and how that ties into the whole emotional overeating because I think if somebody wants to lose weight and get healthy, until they've dealt with the emotional shit that they've got going on in their life in some yeah. capacity. It doesn't mean they, they're going to have, you know, a clean slate. But unless they they recognise that there's something there and are mindful of that, then it's just going to be just, you know, a merry-go-round. It's just going to keep going yeah. round and round and round. They can go on any diet and unless they've dealt with the reason why they overeat, then it's just going to keep happening. Do you think? Do you think you're better at that now than you used to be? I know within myself, I'm very aware now of why. At least it is the kickoff why I'm overeating. It might then roll into a few days, and as the days come, you just become a le little bit less in tune with that. But I certainly know that first. Sometimes, actually. So last week, there was no emotional reason why I was eating that. It was just there and I just couldn't resist it. And once I'd started, because I'm still trying to battle at the moment of getting back into a controlled state, I just lost it. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And I, I it was like an addiction. It was right. just taking me over. Right. But that's quite different to other times for me when I'm overeating. At other times, I know I'm doing it and why I'm doing it. And it's just that choice about whether I can take control of that or not. But is that the same for you or have you always been aware of why you were doing it? I used to say that I didn't um, over, like I didn't, my emotions didn't govern. I wasn't like an emotional eater. That's what I'm trying to say. I used right. to always say that, but I can't say that anymore. Do you think, um, you know, listening to you say that, but you know, about what happened and you can't think there wasn't like any one particular thing, but, yeah. um, and you know, yes, you're aware of it, but do you think sometimes that the, um, that that sort of well, it was kind of binge eating, really, wasn't it? It was. That yeah, that it happens was. because we deprive ourselves, and just that the way of looking at food, like thinking, "Oh, this is naughty stuff that I shouldn't eat," and so therefore you just want to eat it. It's more historical than that. So, um, 
I was always overweight from a very young child and um I can talk about that in a minute I know I now know why that happened because my my mum or my family told me when that actually started because when I was up until about the age of three I was a very tiny petite young little girl and I've got very small bone structure so I was I really didn't need much at all and at one point my mum couldn't get me to eat much at all um but there was a sort of a turning point for that but but then as I moved to my teenage years well then I just got worse and worse I got bigger and bigger but my late teens I got to the point where I think now if it was happening to me we would probably say I had a, a sort of an eating disorder um but you know 30 years ago it wasn't so recognized discussed it was if you were anorexic so if right. you weren't really really thin but if you were overweight you were just classed as someone that was greedy right or, or lazy know, or something so, yeah. exactly there yeah. wasn't the sort of discussion around the other end of the spectrum right. I most definitely was at the other end of the spectrum and I was basically if I pulled boiled it right down I was depressed right I was depressed because I was overweight but then it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because I I was even more overweight because I kept eating more but the way that I was eating was even even more extreme than binge eating um so I would eat foods whole because I didn't like the taste of them and I had to keep going until I basically felt this sensation where I was overwhelmed and at that point I'd either go make myself ill or just try and lay down on a cold floor until that feeling passed because it's horrible I mean you really do feel like completely almost poisoned by too much food in your system and then as soon as that feeling passed I would start again so it was almost a craving of that feeling that I needed I needed to feel so full and so awful that I didn't think about anything else if that makes sense was it like a form of punishment do you think no it was a distraction I think I think it was almost like I could all I could feel or think when I felt that full and sick was feel full and sick I couldn't feel horrible about myself. Clearly, I very quickly did afterwards because right. that wave of dislike of yourself then yeah, kicks in. Yeah. But in that moment, I didn't feel lonely. I didn't feel depressed, upset, ashamed. Just in that split moment. Consumed by felt, how you felt. Yeah, because yeah. I felt so ill. Yeah. But then it waves off. And of course, then the wave of all of that self-hate kicks in. And then I started again. But I mean, I literally can remember standing there with an open fridge door seeing seeing like a wheel of stilton for example which i hated back in the sort of that you know age and eating massive clumpfuls of this cheese and just swallowing it down whole i mean that is not standard behavior with regards to food that's not binge eating that's to another level and clearly i had i had a problem you know i wasn't very well Um, and my weight just ballooned and ballooned and ballooned until i wasn't just an overweight young girl anymore i was you know i was extremely obese um, and then I can I can remember a time that I did go on a programmed diet and I lost the weight and I felt so much better. And since then, I've always been an up and down, up and down, but not gone to that extreme with my relationship with food. But what I was going to say was when I then go into like a binge eating situation now, which does still happen, particularly with sugary food, once I've started, if I'm not in a controlled state of mind, it can just take me away. I think I'm instantly taken back to that moment of of feeling like that when I was younger. Right. Not not knowingly so, but taken back to the point of feeling I don't have to think anything. It's just mindlessly going to go in. So that mindless feeling is exactly the same as it was then without going to the extreme of feeling so ill. That I have to go and be sick or lay down, um, thankfully, because that's it's just awful. Um, so I think for me, that's where it's the foundations of it all are. Um but it's then as an adult becoming more aware of that and how you know and how I deal with it but you're right you know it is binge eating in those few days but I don't do it necessarily um now in a sort of a in an emotional situation it's just something that I seem to slip into it's like a something inside me that's just sort of says oh I know this feeling this is what you do right um, right so it's, I, it's like me, a, a place that you know a familiar a familiar yeah, place familiarity. You know. yeah yeah exactly yeah. and not a good one but no. that's what it is and it's just and and I my experience of that is I'm not inside my own body I don't feel like I'm inside looking through my eyes I'm almost just completely disconnected from the rest of the world around me right I, you know I'm not sort of connected with anything I'm almost trying to be in a little blinker and it just shoves in Have you... like secret secret eating and all that sort of stuff 
is it ever like do you ever look and think of what's happening in my life at the moment that's making you know that's making you know does I that... do have moments so I think I'm as an adult now and and definitely within the last few years I'm much more aware that sometimes and I'm like oh look at that that's just happened something which is a trigger which is difficult whether it's confrontation whether it's sadness whether it's anxiety something yeah something like that which is a trigger the first thing that my body wants to do is stand up and go and find something to eat right right that's a little bit different and I think that's a comfort and a and a sort of a, a panic oh yeah. okay and for me it's like well, a safe place it's a it's a secure it, place, you know, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, I think it probably constant. is when I'm eating it. Exactly. Right. But I think at the moment it's a panic and I'm like, instead of dealing with the situation of what's in front of me, whether it's anxious, sad, confrontational, I don't have to think about it if I'm going to go and eat. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, a, it's almost a distraction technique. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is where my overeating generally on an everyday basis happens now. So I'm like, oh, and I just stand up and I go, and I now know it and I'm good at controlling it. I'm like, no. So I try and get myself a drink or something else, in, you know, like water right. or, or even a, a diet soda or something like that and you know, diet Coke instead. Um, so that's the, that's the bit that I do know about and that's the bit that I can manage and it's I'm a lot more aware of it. So that is an emotional trigger, but it's not a an upset emotional trigger. It's more of a a difficult you know something difficult and I avoid it by going to eat something right and that becomes easier because I work at home yes so you know it's so flipping easy there's no there's and... no eyes on you no I mean if you were surrounded by work, you'd still do it well I don't know that's what I was about to say if there were and you don't do it then that's that's secret eating so that's that's another thing as well isn't it right because actually if if you're doing this to sort of satisfy yourself, why don't you do it in front of other people? Yeah. And the reason you don't is because you're shamed because you know that you shouldn't be doing it. Right, of, right. You know, it's, it's gluttonous. It's people are going to judge you. Yeah. You know, you know what you're doing. You're, you're embodying, you're ashamed of it. Right. So that's the reason you don't do it in front of other people. Mm-hmm. However, people can see the result of what's happened if you right. do. They can see that you're overweight. So it's sort of ridiculous that you won't do the process in front of right, them. Right, right. Yeah. So that's another whole thing to talk about, you know, separately, I think. It's, yeah. it's public shame, isn't it, about why you don't do it in front of people. Right. Um, but so me, I've got those triggers. I've got the triggers that are avoidance. I've got this pattern that I just slip into and I find it's basically sugary foods but any of that overeating once I've started I find it really hard to sort of when I'm not in a controlled place to then stop um and I think that sugar connection comes from so apparently my mum told me that when I was four we moved location in the UK where we were living and we had to move to somewhere that really wasn't that great um for a period of time not that long sort of six to twelve months I think could be wrong but um and we had to walk up a huge hill every day and it was just it was it was like to get me anywhere mum just said it was a bit miserable to be quite honest they didn't like the home and all that sort of thing she had my young sister to sort of look after as well so I was probably a little bit like oh hang on you know just wait there a minute and uh what she did is she gave me chocolate oh okay and so to make things okay she gave me sweets and chocolate right and you know and I then just she said I was really tiny up until that point and then I just ballooned Hmm. um and so probably deep down all the way underneath there that connection with sugar has been that whole have it to make everything okay right right and there was no sort of filtering just have a little bit as a treat it was it was a comfort and almost a sort of push aside having to deal with anything because everything was so horrible so it's a substitute right Um, so that's that's when my weight journey really happened and so from the age of four I've I've been overweight I've not had a great relationship with food and not had the skills just to know that it's okay just to have a little bit and then you leave it right or to treat it as a treat um so when you think you know over 40 years worth of programming of your body right that's not going to get undone in overnight no in a short period uh-uh. of time is it no um but I think for me I've reached an acceptance of okay I know what I was like in my teenage years and I had a really bad issue with food you know it was, it was really unhealthy um mentally unhealthy I had you know right from a young age the you know the relationship with food that was just given to try and 
um, sort of make everything okay and substitute a, a life that really that didn't feel that nice for us so to sort of just sit with that and go okay I know all of that I can't change it but what I can do is try and recognize these things now and even if they do happen I think I'm recognizing myself it's likely that I will always have a bit of an up down relationship with food for my life because that's you know it's been part of my programming but that's okay if I've learned how to recognize take back control yeah. recognize it nip it in the bud deal with it not give myself a hard time about it too much right. because obviously then you double on that don't mm -hmm. you double down on it yeah um and try to lean on something else for that reassurance and comfort and distraction rather than it being sugary food right um uh and I think you know the trick to that will be to have alternatives to turn to instead mm -hmm. um and, then, and just doing it you know yes and then Making over time it, it will get easier the pattern, will change. The pattern yeah, exactly. will change it'll become routine which is what we're going to be chatting about next week see my mum was the complete opposite she right. if we got a treat she'd hold her hands behind her back and say which hand do you want and in one hand would be a carrot and the other hand would be one of those little boxes of sultanas mm -hmm. and so we weren't allowed to eat um you know cookies and cake we could have birthday cake um yeah. she would bake and my nan would bake and i like to cook so if it was home made it wasn't so bad but yeah. and i you know could just eat two cookies and that was biscuits and that was fine but um yeah mum was the complete opposite one mm -hmm. of the our neighbours who we're still friends with, she used to feel sorry for me and every now and then she'd give me a cookie. But it was more like this is naughty food and this is good food. Yeah. When really it's all in moderation too. Yeah, exactly. But my issue really, well, once it happened in Australia when, um, when, to, when I was married to my first husband who was um, abusive, like uh, verbally abusive, and I put on weight then, and I think that was my little safety thing that I Protection. put around yeah. me because when I decided I'm done, he was a like a like an abusive alcoholic drug addict, and okay. I thought I could fix him. He had a lot of issues himself. At his core, he had a, a kind heart, you know, but um, he had so many issues and was just fucked up from stuff that had happened to him as a child that yeah. um that's how it came out as an adult because he'd never spoken to anybody about it or dealt with it um and so when i was with him yeah i built this wall around me with food as as the buffer um <clears throat> when he and i divorced i just it just all fell off me again okay. um but then when i moved to north america i first moved from sydney to canada that's when i started to to put it on and you know, I, I mean, I just ate, but the food was a bit different. We'd eat out, my um, Canadian partner and I, we'd eat out quite a bit. And, um, you know, a lot of it was fried, was deep fried, whereas I had very little deep fried unless I had a spring roll at a, you know, Chinese yeah. restaurant or something every once in a while. But, um, and then each year it got worse and worse. Right. And um, his family weren't particularly nice and... Um, he and I, you know, were okay, but, but we did, we did split up, um, after being together for 10 years and I moved to the U S and I was by myself and then I lost, um, weight again okay. then. Um, and then, you know, I met my, um, my husband now, my American husband and, and then, you know, once again, I put weight back on, um, I, every time we moved, because I've lived in several states here and in different houses within in, in the state. So it's like every time we moved, I put on a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, this is this place that um, that we bought here in Indiana. This is probably the longest I've lived anywhere since moving okay. to North America. Um, but as, as you know, I said before, I never thought that I was an emotional eater. Yeah. You know, it's been only really in the last 12 months that I've come to realize that, yeah, you are. 
And yeah. I'm like a very A-type personality too. So I, I can't stand things being out of order. I like, um, you know, I like to be organized. I get anxious. Um, mm -hmm. I hide that quite well, but you know, I, I don't, might not outwardly seem like I am, Yeah. but, um, inwardly like right now there's all, you know, sorts of things going on and, um, inwardly it's like, Oh God, I can't stand it because everything isn't where it's meant to be. And it's a bit, I don't know, OCD, I guess, Yeah. but I know anxiety is a big thing for, for people. I, my mom, um, when she passed away last year, when I, you know, my sister called to tell me and, and it was between my husband coming home from work and me, you know, having the conversation with my sister that mama died and I was standing in the kitchen just eating, just standing there eating. And I, and I stopped myself and thought it was a reaction to finding out about Yeah. mum's death. But then on the other hand, three months later when, when uh, our father died, That was a sudden thing. Mum's was a, you know, like a slow decline Yeah. with dementia. Um, um, my father was, was, it seemed sudden, um, you know, talking to him one moment and the next he's gone. And I couldn't eat then. I just felt sick. I felt No. like somebody had just punched me in the guts. And coming to terms with, with that right now, I think that I've turned to food a little bit again. Um, as you know, like my comfort, it's the Mhm. Mm one yeah. constant, you know, when life is just crashing down around you, it's been the one constant, but at the same time, it's also the one thing that I can control and But go is on. it food or is it the type of food? So when you're so now for example the comfort eating you're doing, is it the process of actually eating or is it the type of food that you're eating? Well, see, Um, I can't have stuff like I can't go and buy a chocolate bar and think, oh, I'll just have a square of a night. No. That's just the whole thing is gone. Yeah. Um, so I don't keep a lot of stuff in the house. But having said that, because I cook for a living, if I feel like something, I can whip it up in a nanosecond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, That's yeah, what I I mean. don't Is know. it, I don't do you think see... it is eating? Are you, because you're not, I presume you're not sitting there eating like a massive bowl of chopped up sort of carrot sticks or anything. Right, So it's not, it's not eating that's that's what I challenge myself on it's not actually eating is it because if it was eating and someone put out in front of you I don't know celery carrots pears you know and you go yeah I'm okay because that's no. <laughs> if there not was what a you good want dip with it, that would be all right. well yes <laughs> exactly a nice but it's creamy dip. but but that's the it's the it's the hit that you get isn't it Right. from the type of food that you're putting so whether it is creamy whether it is sugary whether it is stodgy sort of carbs bread or potatoes or something that's the weird thing isn't it because the emotional comfort isn't coming from the process of actually It's not coming chewing from or lettuce. eating no No. and so that's a, that's more for us to dive into as well i think because Right. actually it's the the, rea the physical chemical reaction that's happening in in your body when those foods that you're craving go in compared to the process of actually chewing and swallowing because it's Right. not food's fault is it it's the type of food Right. and how much of it that we're eating Right. Because if you think, if you sit down and eat a bowl of pasta, right, yeah and you sit down and you eat... a bowl of salad that the salad takes like you were saying with the chewing and everything i yeah guess it's more mindful because it takes longer to eat because you've got yeah to chew all that stuff up whereas with pasta couple just of chews goes down down it goes you know but there's something so very comforting about the chewing of something which is a little bit soft and a little bit sort of squidgy you know yeah whereas if you were going to chew on a carrot it doesn't provide the comfort it's just so so weird for me because i love crispy things you know, right like schnitzel and stuff like that, anything yeah crunchy. I'm into crunch, right but okay um, I mean, I like, you know, I love potatoes and mashed potatoes and stuff like that, but I do love crunchy things. But often yeah for me, it's, um, I just like, if I like the taste of something, it's, it's um, just, it's like, stop eating it, you know, like yeah it's that kind of thing. And it's because I'm enjoying it. Like if I've got a cheese plate mm-hmm in front of me, if I don't like the cheese, if it's just cheap,
you know, cheese, yeah. then chances are I'm probably not going to eat it unless I get that cheese, caramelise some onions, pop it in a in some bread yeah. and make like a toasty or something with it, then that's a whole different thing. But um yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm learning to to recognise that there's shit that I need to deal with and I think this goes with yeah. many people. Um like deal with it and then and then put it behind me and get on with it. Um that causes these things and just to be aware of them. And like you said, finding something else to, mm. to, to do, you know, using that because we are in control, you feel out of control, but it is the one thing we can control. You can't control. Yeah, you don't have to put it life. in your mouth and eat it. You just no. don't have to do that. No. Um, and I'm, I'm second guessing that every human being must have the ability to do this because you know there's there's phrases for everybody's you know your eyes are bigger than your belly and right, all that sort of right. stuff it must be a pretty standard you know approach mm -hmm. it's just whether people have that self-control to say i'm not going to overdo it but right. for some reason something is that's been undone in some people whether it is programming from a young age or whether something is a trigger that happens now or maybe it's just a natural some people are more greedy than others you know there's right. everyone's different but they must have an element of it somewhere and i think the nub of it is controlling those urges so i don't think personally i'll ever be able to get rid of the urges it's just what do i do with them we so we were talking yet you know yesterday about how um you were saying i wonder whether you can ever get to that stage where you don't have to be consumed by yeah. the thought of food or how am I going to handle this or worrying about binge eating or binge eating, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that since our conversation and and there's a lot of, you know, like any sort of self-help thing will, it's almost like fake it till you make it type thing. Yeah. You know how Mel Robbins talks about that whole high five thing to yeah. yourself, which sounds ridiculous, but apparently it, triggers something in your brain yeah. so it's almost I and this is something I'm going to try and I'll try it within the next week I know just one week won't do it but I'm just going to try this and see how I go um is one try to not think of food as bad or good and you know okay processed food with lots of chemicals in it, yeah, we, we'd want to try and stay away from that as much as possible. But not thinking like a piece of cake at somebody's birthday is a bad thing no. or it's naughty or it's forbidden because if something's forbidden, then you want it, right? Exactly. So that and then the whole, um, like I said, the fake it till you make it thing. I'm just going to, to try and have that mindset of like how would someone that doesn't have these issues that isn't dealing with being overweight, how would they think if they were eating? They just eat. I'm yeah. hungry. And I'm I think, going to make myself I think you're much. right. And I think it's not even trying to think about it. It's being it. It's being it, exactly. So, and I you know, I've I've done that before and and it does it does work is, you know, when you're presented with options, I just say to myself, Oh, but I don't eat that because actually on a general basis someone that is not overweight they won't eat a whole family bar of chocolate right in one go they just won't or less often than i would right so it's you know if you're presented the, the way that i then go but i don't do that because actually if you believe in yourself that you have the ability and you're probably going to and you're going to then for the next three days binge eat and all that sort of thing you probably will deliver that right, because that's right. what you think about yourself uh -huh. if you try and change that your own thought about yourself so my own thought in that moment says I don't do that I don't eat all of right. that food so and then I can you know turn on my heel and walk away yeah um now and and I've spoken before when I'm in a controlled state and not, but when I'm in a controlled state, I can have chocolate in the house and I can just eat sort of three pieces or six little tiny nuggets of it and it can stay there. But I'm, I have to go through the hard work first before I get to that stage. Right. And when I'm in that stage, I'm, I'm planned, I'm controlled. I'm, you know, a lot healthier. 
everything all falls into place. It's because I'm exercising more. It's because I'm drinking a lot more fluid better. I'm, you know, making my food choices better. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't overwhelm me, the fact that it's sat there. Right here and now, I would really, really struggle, particularly because last week I did have that binge period, to know there was a whole bag of, like, 12 bites or something in my fridge. Right. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to have to go in. And then once you've had three, I'd have the whole pack. And yeah, that would yeah, be I've done, done it and now. And then the emotional, that's the thing afterwards, isn't it? It's the emotional the situation of what happens. Oh, yeah, after you've yeah, done you it. Yeah, you beat yourself And up. then normally, nine times out of ten, is like, okay, I've done it now, right. so I might as well go Perpetuates. with whatever else I find. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so then you go and find all of the other food that you've got in the house. Um, because you've undone what you're supposed to have done and, oh, well, I'll start again tomorrow, you've said before, it has to start now. Right then. It just needs to Even nip it in the bud. I have eaten a family-sized bag of 12 bites. Right. You know, a lot of other people do that as well. People that are not overweight do that as well. You know, people have days where they just go, oh, I've eaten three chocolate bars today right. or whatever. It's just to say, but stop. That doesn't mean I now eat four slices of toast, <laughs> whatever you know whatever right. else I can find and then go into this massive binge overwhelm uh-huh. that's the difference isn't yeah it? and I think that's where the emotional side of not what's happened before but what's going to happen now that's what we need to get us under control yes. better because I um, keep thinking if I like not if the when I lose the weight then somehow I will develop this better um relationship with food and I think, yeah. no, that has to start right now. Yeah. Somehow or another, that has to start now. Whether, you know, like I said, I just it's like the fake it till you make it thing. Because if I wait a year, then I'm constantly going to be doing this back and forth and it's just, God, it's just, it's, it's yeah. overwhelming, just all that battling in your head. Do you think that feeds into things that we've said before about being kind of all or nothing so when you're on a diet plan like we spoke about last time you kind of want instant results right or you want to see something straight away so it's almost a case of oh well if I don't eat that chocolate now I know overall it'll help me but you know what by tomorrow it won't really make much difference so stuff it I'll just have it now and then later on I'll you know then it's gone you don't have to think about it yeah you've got to make those choices now for the overall picture which is really not easy because you don't see an instant result for that do you you don't get any benefit by instantly not eating that chocolate no it's not like you're going to walk out tomorrow and suddenly be that you look thinner right but what you have to do is for the greater good you know for the overall project is not eat that right but that's a really big ask it's like those you know you've, you've seen them the little kids are sat in a room and you put a little sweetie in front of them and tell them don't eat it and then they leave the room and say, if you don't eat it, we'll give you a big, a big present later. Right. And then they film them and they're sitting there going, oh, because they can see it. Like, you know, this sweet in front of them. Right. And the cutest ones is when there's two of them, because often there's one that says, no, 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 don't eat it because we're going to get something really good later. And there's right. the other one going, stuff that, I'm having it. That'd now. be me. And then it that goes. Would be me. And then guess what? The first one that did have resolve just looks at the other one and goes oh okay and then eats it as well right, because they right. follow the crowd and and that shows that it's a natural thing in inbuilt in some people as well there's some people that are built that are able to last for the bigger reward right and there's those that need the instant gratification of having something now so I think you have to give yourself a little bit of leeway to say right. we're all different and we're yeah. either you know made like this or that so some people probably do have to battle people like me battle a bit harder at making those decisions mm-hmm. because it is a decision a controlled decision not to have that instant gratification of eating that chocolate now so that my present to myself later on will be that I've managed to improve my health lose weight and feel better but my god is that a big ass right Isn't that it's, a- it's a future present it's not yeah, a right and like, now. And you're looking at it, you're going, yeah, but I know how delicious that chocolate is. And I just, you know, and, and it is an addiction. It overwhelms you. And like, I've just got to have it. And right. you can feel like it really building up. Um, so that's why I'm trying to then swap it for something different because that's what works for me. So um, I tend not to drink much Diet Coke, to be quite honest, but I do have some cans around so that in the fridge, um, so that if that overwhelming situation where I am, 
desperate because it does feel desperate doesn't it it's right. not the case where it does for me it's not it's just like, oh, fun. Yeah. absolutely you feel like you stab someone for it in the hand um but it's to then swap it out for something else and and that's the trick is trying not to you know try and shut it off too much by just going distract myself okay have something else instead but that said I will still go to a birthday party and have some cake I'm not going to be the person that says no because no. I've got to live my life as well and yeah. it's really delicious and I enjoy it but it's just and that's what people do that are healthy like as right, you say right make it to make it they will go and they'll eat some Right. You know, you know, and then they won't beat themselves up over it no, or they might, no. you know, walk an extra mile or whatever. Do some extra you know, exercise. Do something exactly. like that. Yeah. But not to have it consume you. See, that I find it consumes me, the whole yeah. my relationship with food, which is why I think I just, I mean, there has to be some self-control. If anybody yeah. wants to lose weight and get healthier, they have to have self-control, whether yeah. they're dealing with the emotions or, you know, whatever, that has to play into it. And I think that the more you tell yourself you're a certain way, like, oh, you're greedy, oh, you have no self-control, you believe it. And then that's a cop-out. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm doing this because I'm greedy and I have no self-control. I kind of joke about that. But if you say to yourself, even though you may not believe it initially, that you do, that you do have self control. I've got mm. this. I'm not greedy. I'm just going to have a piece, and then somehow just shut it out. Yeah. That you've done that, and then just keep on with you know your day or whatever it was you were doing. But make, don't just stand in the kitchen eating it. You know, I, I was saying yesterday, I'm going to make some ginger and chocolate biscotti, just mm -hmm. to have as a you know a snack with a coffee mid morning. A piece. But to sit yeah. down and enjoy it, maybe with a book or something like that. Yeah. Sit down and enjoy it, not just stand there at the kitchen counter shoveling them in my face. Yeah. So And secret eating again, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. you wouldn't do that if you were out in a coffee shop. It just no, wouldn't happen, would it? No. So, so that's going to be my little sort of test mm -hmm. um, because I thought, you know, I, I don't – always like a big breakfast I did make myself one this morning but just to have you know like some fruit and then something like that um people say you know oh you need protein but I make up for that in in the day but anyway yeah everybody's different so um but any I'm I'm just going to do that and use a bit of reverse psychology mm -hmm. um yeah until I believe it I don't know. I'm going to try that. I think that. there's also just thinking through more recently when I've been a lot more overweight than I am now because I actually have lost a lot of weight compared to I was a few years ago. Um, and that's because I got myself into a situation where, situation where I wasn't happy. But what then happens then is I disliked myself so much. Or I, not so much. It, I did dislike myself, but I didn't care enough about myself to then do something about it and so then it just grows doesn't it it's not that you just plateau you do you must keep going because you keep gaining weight it's not right. like you just suddenly say well I've stayed the same um and it was just unhappiness and a disregard for myself that that then found me in that situation and I knew consciously that I was doing it I couldn't even wake up and go oh how did I suddenly become three stone heavier right. it's because I was eating you know a pint pot of ice cream or the takeaways that we were getting were so large that they'd be enough for me and someone else but right you would just mindlessly eat it no but then the guilt and the dislike of yourself because you think I really really didn't need to do that but you know what I've done it now oh well that's it might as well carry on and it just grows and grows and grows and every item of clothing you put on you just think you hate how you look and uh -huh. it just really snowballs in the wrong direction doesn't it yeah but the moment you can just stop like just stop and then start to even small steps go the other way it's quite amazing how you can start thinking differently about yourself and moving it back the other way um so that's the that's the difference so yes it is living like other people that are you know that are not overweight live but I think it's almost living in that version of you that you know that you don't that you can get to that you don't want to be so it's just like stopping your own self isn't it so right. if I'm living this way 
even if it seems a bit much to try and live like someone else is doing right now, just even do what I know in my heart of hearts is right for me in that moment. And that's still a difficult decision. Right. Like treat yourself like you would a good friend. You want to, you know, nourish them and be kind to them. And, you know, whereas we don't do that to ourselves, we beat ourselves up for pretty much everything. I know I have done my whole life when I was little, I used to leave notes for um, my mom um, saying, you know, apologizing for things, apologizing for things that, that I couldn't help. Like um, my mom had crooked little fingers and right. mine are like that too. And so, and I would apologize for, for that. I'd write a little note and, really? you know, all these things that I perceived physically wrong with me, yeah. I would, you know, say, you know, I'm sorry that I bite my nails or I'm, not I'm sorry that I said, you know, a bad word or something like that, no. God forbid. Um, but just things like, oh, I'm sorry that, you know, my feet are too big or something because I was teased about that from one of my cousins. And But, you know, mum never ever said anything to me about that, which I only thought of that this morning and I thought how peculiar that she never mm. did that. And I was, you know, telling my um, sister about this recently and mum had never said anything to, to her about it and, uh, I, she didn't keep them. She threw them away because she kept everything. And, and my sister and I had to go through all her stuff a couple of years back. But, yeah. um, you know, I wonder where that stemmed from. I thought, I, you know, I was talking to someone, this is a few years back, about, you know, uh, the whole overeating. Um, she's an allergist, this lady, but she deals with, um, you know, with a lot with a lot of overweight people that, come to her but she eliminates foods from their diet um to help them but I said to her you know when I was six or seven six my um my dad left mum was just before Christmas with you know two girls to raise and off he went and I didn't see him again till I was 15 and how much of that you know it was never spoken of his Mm. name was never spoken of um, at home until I was older, you know, it was really until I was about 17, 18 that I, that we talked about him. And I think it was more mum felt she was protecting me, but Mm. I think how much has that played into my psyche? Because then, you know, mum remarried John, who I refer to as my father. Um, and I dearly loved him but he had issues and he and I had a tumultuous relationship and he would drink and he'd come home and be belligerent and, you know, fight with my mom. And I, I didn't ever talk to anybody about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, how much of that stuff that people go through in their childhood plays into how they then are as an adult. Oh, for I mean, sure. back yeah. then, I guess I didn't binge eat because I was under the watchful eye of my, my mom, who always yeah. seemed to be on a diet, and I would go on them with her even though I didn't need to lose weight. But um, whereas now I'm away from all of that, you know, away from the the safety, the familiarity of my family and my friends back in Australia, even though it's still 20 years on. Um, but like I said, each time I moved, I'd put on weight. So to me, you know, it's like a comfort thing, but, you know, but how much played into how I am now from, you know, when I was a little kid, that's probably a really good thing for a therapist. And, and I wonder too, you know, is it something that people, um, I know a lot of people do go into therapy and if they're wanting to do this and have had trauma in their child, either childhood or in their life as an adult, you know, maybe they should be speaking to somebody that can, mm. can deal with all of this and, and, get it out somehow or another rather than just suppressing it. I think that's a big thing with me. I hate confrontation. Um, My husband's quite hot-headed and we can argue. So for me, because I can't stand it, I tend to just stuff those feelings down inside me. And often, you know, I'll do that with food. That's... yeah my you know my coping mechanism but but recognizing that and and that's what you know I mean god maybe I'm a slow learner but recognizing that more and more as I'm doing 
I'm hoping that can help me, you know. Yeah. I just eating because it's a knee-jerk reaction to something that's been said or an argument we're having or, you know, I'm not happy with the, my lot in life right now. But, yeah. you know, um, I don't know, I'm always the first person to say be the victor, not the victim. So... I think we've probably identified similar triggers in different stories. So we've talked about then, um, you know, the trigger of confrontation. That's definitely for both of us in slightly different forms. But whether it's something challenging or confrontation, there's the emotion of feeling um, the mind mindless eating. So when you were just trying to suppress your feelings about the loss of your mum or whether, you know, I'm just sort of just turned to my kitchen because I'm there. I think for me, and I don't know about you, one of the the things that I haven't sort of identified yet here is the fact that loneliness actually I think mm-hmm. so when I you know as an adult a few years ago when I just described feeling pretty low and rubbish about myself and overeating what I was even though I was in a relationship was really lonely and that was part of the the trigger of the overeating um I've got a really really great friendship circle and I'm very lucky now as an adult when I was young when I was a young girl I didn't I was a very young sorry very lonely young girl um so I think that probably didn't help my eating then and for the last 10 years I've worked on my own pretty much I've got a team um before COVID that we're working together but not so much now but I'm at home on my own working as well so you know it's a lone it's a sort of a lonely situation and I think if you were in an office um, you probably wouldn't be in that same format of just being able to go and get whatever you want right. whenever you want. Um, and actually you just be like, well, I'm bored. You're not bored, you're busy, but you're right. bored because you're on your own and and that sort of thing. So I think there's a lot of mindless eating that happens then because of loneliness as well. Right, right. Um, and so for me, the whole sort of umbrella over all of this that we've just described is it's being used as a tool for something isn't it right food is being used as a comfort yeah it's it's exactly like other people use different other forms so whether it's drugs or alcohol or any any other addiction it's it's something to try and take the edge off isn't it yeah and actually what we're doing is instead of having a cigarette we're having something to eat right um both of us are harming, you know, both of them are harming ourselves, our right. bodies, you know, cigarettes, we know the harm it does really overeating is also doing mm-hmm. a huge amount of harm because of health, heart health, diabetes, yeah. blood pressure, joints, all of it, yes. you know, we are harming ourselves, yeah. probably in equal measure, really, than, than smoking or drinking an excessive amount of alcohol. Um, and that's why we've got to deal with it like that. So if someone said to me, are you going to take up smoking? I wouldn't dream of it. Right. I'm so scared of the damage that it could do because as a young girl, I saw the damage because I lost two grandparents to it. Right. Um, if someone said to me, do you ever see yourself as being alcoholic? I'd be like, absolutely not because it's just not something that I have an issue with controlling. Mm-hmm. And I also want to be able to drive. I drive a lot during the day and, you know, all of those sorts right. of things. So that would never be an issue. If someone says to me, do you want to eat as much as you can? I'm like, yeah, okay. Because it just doesn't <laughs> bring you know, it, it on. Just doesn't bring it on. Where do I start? Um, and so each one of those things is, is that issue for you to deal with, but it's the same process that the, that the, the drug whatever that like may addiction, be like addiction yeah yeah and so it's it's then that as the controlled adult is to learn to control the triggers so actually it's not the food's fault it's no. not the drug's fault it's not the alcohol's fault it's how you use them isn't it right and so then it's up to us to then control the triggers so that's when we then go back to this emotional you know the emotional situation so you're right maybe we have to do some work on what happened when we were younger or what's happening now we're older and all of these sorts of things mm-hmm. but the only thing you can do is recognize the trigger when it happens right and know that you are in control even yeah. though you might not feel like it you are you have control over that you don't have control over someone being an asshole but you have no. control over how you react to it so yeah. you know you have control you don't have to put it in your mouth it's it's about just giving it give it five minutes even if we could do that about yeah. to walk away from something and then get on with whatever washing working out but whatever it is that you're doing um i bet you know you probably wouldn't come back to it no or you just not. forget about it yeah you know, i've done that so that's um like goals for for next week because we like to set 
a goal for yeah. next week. So um, I know that's definitely going to be mine. I'm going to be sort of more in the moment in, in, when I'm eating, like a, like a day-to-day type thing. I mean, I like to plan. Mm-hmm. We do do that um, with our meals. But instead of thinking, uh, I, I just if I'm if I'm feel like I need to just binge out on something, I'm just going to stop and and think, why am yeah. I doing this? What's going on, Lavoni? Why uh, you know? So yeah, stop. Know that I'm in control. I tell myself that, even though I might not believe it, I have to, you know, fake it till I make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just tell myself I've got this because, you yeah. know, really at the end of the day you do. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that I deserve, yeah, I deserve it. I deserve to feel oh, healthier yeah. and feel better. So that's, what, that's my goal. My version, I'm going to do the living like someone that has already got this control. So, right, yes. So that's yeah. the same thing, but that's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. What decision would they be making right now? Right. So I'm going to do that decision yeah. and just try to live that life the fake it but actually start to do it so not just imagining it actually live their life right um so that's what I'm gonna that's my goal for this week because how you know to, to stop and think how is this going to serve me yeah that's that's you know one way of looking at it um so what are you cooking Sarah you have any ideas for what you're cooking coming up here because I always um, like to know what everybody's cooking I haven't got any plans for this week. My son's away this weekend because he goes to stay with his dad every other weekend. Right. So uh, no major plans this week. But what I am going to do is I'm going to start to make some meal plans and then um, sort of actually scope out the week ahead. And I'm going to definitely, I had something this week. I did some, I did a satay chicken and I um, did some, cabbage and some carrots and sort of sauteed them with some garlic salt and stuff it was absolutely delicious so I think I'm going to do more of that I really enjoyed that as the vegetable base of things right so I think I'm going to do a lot more of that I think this week I made um the tagine that you were talking about from BBC Food I made that yesterday I actually um shot it and I'm going to put on my website today it's delicious and it made you know good because it's just the two of us so yeah. I've um, got some containers. I made couscous to go with it, um, p- put it into some containers and popped it in the in the freezer. But that was really good. I put apricots in it instead of the, the nice. raisins. The sultanas, yeah. This week. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll share that on our um, – people won't know, but we've got our Instagram profile is now all set up and running. Right, and I'll um, put the link so, to that um, yeah, under we'll this episode as well. As well as the link to that, um, the link to the recipe. I'll do that when I get it up and going. Um, okay. And yeah, I think cool. What else? Any, any other links? There's. Um, um, I always I leave the link to Sarah's website. Sarah's got some beautiful stuff on her um, website that she has illustrated, and then it's put onto Fine Burn China. Um, it's really lovely. Um, and, and then if, I've got go some to... recipes on mine. Yeah, so if you go to the Waiting Room Podcast Instagram po- profile, um, you'll find not only the recipes and links there, but you'll find the Fresh Hunger, which is yours, Livonia, your site that you can go and take mm-hmm. a look, and then mine, which is on there, which is the Dragonfly and Blossom profile as well. So right. um, we're, That's a good place we're, we're posting in. inspirational tips for you, we're posting images of things that we might have been doing during the day on our stories, and the recipes that are linked to Livoni site so there's lots there to have a look at and apart from doing lots of Mexican recipes I'm going to be making a um, crispy goat cheese salad um, with nice. some roasted beets and some blood oranges which um, in one of the stores here yesterday um, when we got them they're called they called them raspberry oranges maybe oh. it's just maybe um, they look like blood oranges I'm mm. going to cut into one but I think maybe it's just a bit of a different marketing Maybe the whole mm-hmm. blood orange thing wasn't selling. Um, Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to try that, and I'm going to do a roasted, um, like a skillet roasted lemon chicken, just using some drumsticks because they're quite nice. inexpensive, and serve that with some polenta and then probably a salad. So that's a couple of things I'm going to be mm-hmm. making, and my biscotti, think... my chocolate ginger biscotti. Nice. Yeah. I think I'm going to concentrate on some more vegetarian meals this year, this year, this week. Right, um, right. 
just I, I really fancy that so sometimes um we do that we just have a sort of a week or so where we really focus on sort of vegetarian meals so I've done um and I've shared with you before the um sort of spiced cauliflower that's oh, then the tacos roasted. yeah yeah really delicious yeah that tacos. sounds so good um, so probably things like that this week for me. Right. So the cabbage, the cauliflower, vegetarian, always very tasty, very spicy. That's going to be my week ahead. I'm, I reckon after doing this cookbook, I'm going to become a bloody vegetarian because there's <laughs> so much meat. Really? Oh, my goodness. This author uses just so much meat. I'm hoping that the last batch of recipes, which will be, yeah, and then I'll be done um, after this one, not after this batch, sadly, then there's one more batch. But I'm hoping that they're going to be side dishes and vegetarian things. Yeah. And things with, you know, beans, with legumes and stuff, because I haven't seen a lot of that. But, yeah, lots of it's meat. <laughs> lots and lots of meat. And I, you know, I love veggies. And I think to do some, switch it up and have some vegetarian, you know, meals yeah. is... Um, it's just I don't know it's just a good way of getting one I think it's inexpensive and Mm -hmm. um it's just a good way of getting more veg in the diet too it's just nice sometimes I think so yeah Alrighty. well that that's us sound like good goals to me sounds like good goals so uh tune in next week when we're going to be talking about routine and what a big difference that can make on the overall your overall health and and working out how it can help you so yeah. that's bye from us see you then bye